0: And welcome to the 58th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and I'm driven by my pal Phil. How are you?
1: Doing good, buddy. How about yourself?
0: Not doing too bad. Uh, The weather is finally warming up here. It's uh, a breezy 60 to 70 degrees, probably the ideal Minnesota temperature. No humidity quite yet. How is it in your neck of the woods?
1: It's been uh it's been pretty hot. It got cloudy uh yesterday and on the way home from work it was feeling really humid. There was a lot of clouds in the sky. So 103 on top of a little bit of humidity's not very fun, but it's been bearable. I'm starting to get used to
0: it, so. Oh, now I remembered. I wanted to tell you about this uh thing I saw on Reddit. So this guy his post was literally it said like this is why I believe uh simulation theory is a real thing like you covered god knows how long ago and Here year ago so what it was was a pen of like i would say will you consider maybe teenage aged chicks i guess is how you'd put it they're not chicks but they're not chickens they're like in that middle ground anyway so he picks up one right and all of a sudden all of them just quit moving he's holding the camera on this chicken for like At least 20 seconds, none of the other chicks are moving. Sets the chick back down, all of a sudden they start moving again. So it's like they froze in place while he was holding one of them, and then they came back to life the second he set it down in the pen again. Huh. Although, I, if I had to guess, it's probably a defense mechanism, but... To the movement.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's what I was thinking.
0: Like, if one of their companions is being abducted, then the rest of them freeze like they would for Predator or whatever. But it was such a weird video to watch.
1: Huh. That's weird. Yeah. I'll have to take a look at that. I've noticed I had a weird moment of uh, Mandela effect recently. So I was watching a documentary, and they, uh, I, I watch a lot of history documentaries, and they were showing the landmass of like, basically like France, Italy, and Iberia, which is like Spain and Portugal. And I noticed that like all of the history classes that I've taken, which are quite a lot, I always looked at maps of that area. I mean, it's pretty big. World War I and Two happened in that area. You know, like a shit ton of history happened in Southern Europe. And I noticed like Spain looked a lot different than I've ever seen it before. Like it almost looked like it was further east than it usually was and there was a lot this weird kind of like a curve like at the bottom of like France where France meets Spain I thought it was just like straight down and Spain was right there but the weird thing is it kind of like changed to how I remember seeing it like usually on a map it may have been that I just don't like I just don't really pay attention as much as I had at this point because they were pointing out like a city in this area but it was kind of weird as it kind of took me back I had to like go on my phone and look at maps to see if this was
0: how it really looked. I mean, you know what? I, that's what I'm starting to really buy into because I, I remember last week, I don't even remember who was on the episode or not, but we were talking about on Bumble Bub podcast, we were talking about the Bernstein Bears, Bernstein Bears thing again. And I remembered it even differently than the corrected version because they were saying, they remember Bernstein bears and I thought that was supposed to be the corrected one and we always remember Ber- Bernstein bears.
1: Well, there's three different ways to remember it. There's <laughs> there's Bernstein bears, there's Bernstein bears and then Bernstein bears which is I think what it is now. It's Bernstein bears. I remember it being Bernstein Bears when I was a kid. But that,
0: Me too. I, yeah. I I don't know. They got to quit fucking with that goddamn book. I don't even know why they care so much about it.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe it's just the weird alternate dimensions that we're flying through. Hopefully we <laughs> fly into an alternate dimension where this COVID shit never happened. That'd be great if you just woke up tomorrow and everything was normal. I wouldn't even question it. I would just fucking go to the bar tonight. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, di da. No, no, nothing. Everything's normal. I don't remember anything about coronavirus. What's that? I feel like, <laughs> can I get a Jack and Coke?
0: <laughs> I feel like 10 years from now, Phil, you're going to be like, you remember when I couldn't go to the bar for, for months on end? It was terrible. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> well, I think, I think it's going to be in about two years when it goes back to, I don't think it's ever going to go back to completely the way it was like three months ago. But I think it will go back to like the best new normal in about two years where we can start going to like sporting events and concerts and bars again.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i pretty sure uh, sporting events and concerts are going to be like the last thing that they allow back open just because of uh, the mass group of people.
1: I think that the biggest thing that's going to change is how people greet each other in public. Like if you've noticed when people greet each other in public, they don't even shake hands anymore or wave to each other. And I think that after a couple years of people really not doing that shit anymore, a lot of people who are, like, huggers claim that, like, when this shit's over, they're just going to hug everybody. But I think people are going to be, like, really reluctant to hug each other, and then it might drip down into, like, social norms to where people who aren't exceptionally close don't really show any type of, like, PDA.
0: Mm, That could—I mean— That could be, but then again, people have, like, a uh, one-track mind usually as well, so they'll probably forget any of this even happen.
1: That's true. If this goes on for long enough, though, I can imagine that shit just getting ingrained in your head. Like, I watched—I think I mentioned it last week—I watched Groundhog's Day. Ah. And Groundhog's Day is kind of a—like, I watched it now. I've never noticed it, obviously, before, but watching it, like, in this time— greet each other with, like, a kiss on the cheek. It's, like, very European-looking almost. And it's something that I really noticed, like, watching it now.
0: It's mm. kind of weird. Well, you were in you were in Europe for a while. You didn't kiss anybody's cheek?
1: Um, there was – I wasn't in France. <laughs> I was in England. They, they act a little different. There was one girl that I was friends with, and she greeted you with, like, that kiss on the cheek thing, like, right next to your mouth. But that was the only
0: one. I – when you and I were in Wales at that bar, didn't and we were talking to that guy outside? Didn't he try to kiss our cheeks?
1: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that dude was gay, so he was. I mean, probably yeah, a little different.
0: It, I mean, yeah, but I, I think I let him. I didn't really care that much, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously I'm not <laughs> gay. But
1: <laughs> he he almost got my hand around his fucking neck, but.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. He was gonna kiss. Not that, kiss. I, he was not gonna that kiss. I hate
1: gay people or anything. No, it's no, just, no. He just little wanted little to kiss
0: you more passionately than me.
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. He <laughs> was, uh, was an
0: odd cat. Anyway, Phil, why don't why don't I let you take over from here and tell us about the witch hunters, part two?
1: Yeah, this is. Uh, it's been a really fun uh, time investigating all this and you know looking all this stuff up. Uh, this part is going to deal mostly with. The book Damonology and James I, also known as James VI of Scotland, how kind of how he came about writing this, his past, and really what it led to. Uh, as you remember, in part one, we talked a lot about uh, the Berwick witch trials of 1590. King James VI decided to study more about the dangerous world of magic and witchcraft after those trials. He also decided to write a dissertation on the subject titled Daemonology, or Demonology. Uh, It's actually spoken a little bit odd. He wrote it in Latin, uh, D-A-E-M-O-N-L-O-G-U-E, if you want to look that up.
0: Can you imagine if this man knew about all the 16-year-old angsty teenagers who are constantly invoking demons and practicing witchcraft and wicca and all that
1: oh yeah even if you just looked at instagram for five minutes he would freak the fuck out at yeah all of the people who either are like totally on board with witchcraft or you know looking all this stuff up it's kind of amazing how much it's turned in right. the past like 50 years
0: can you imagine if he saw uh, i don't know if you're familiar with black uh, black cult clothing i think is what it's called no i'm not Uh, They just make, like, really edgy uh, t-shirts and stuff with, like, Satan and Baphomet and witchcraft stuff on them. They're actually kind of cool.
1: Huh. No, I've never heard of them. I have seen a lot of products shilled out by some of these paranormal podcasts. Kind of uh, some of the things, like, what is it, like their little crystals and stuff like that? They're kind of cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're going to be shilling out that Windows 98 CD-ROM here pretty soon, so... The Time Traveler CD-ROM.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone, got <laughs> Everyone must must see that. It's pretty great. So he wrote this book, Demonology, with the intent of making the reader, namely fellow Christians, believe that not only does magic exist, but that the relationship between demons and the conjurers of magic was a danger to Christian society, along with the justification for witch hunting. Mm-hmm. James used literature and former historical cases from the trials of witches, also the confessions of witches, and of course, the Bible to make his arguments for his book.
0: Okay, all right. I mean, if you really sit down and read the Bible and like think about witchcraft, wouldn't Jesus technically be a witch?
1: You would think so. Um I I I didn't obviously. I've never really studied Christianity or the Bible very much. But I do remember hearing about Adam's wife before Eve. Like there's a legend that he had a wife before Eve and she was a witch or a demon. Lilith. and Lilith. That's the one. Yep. Lilith. Apparently she became a demon who would go into the homes of a family with a newborn baby and steal the baby.
0: Mm. I, re- I remember reading about her actually. And uh, what was it? She wanted to ride him cowgirl, but that something about it gave the woman too much power and then God had to make her a new him a new wife or some shit and she went in a cave and birthed birth demons and all this shit.
1: Yeah, and I suppose the moral of that story is, you know, keep women down and yeah. all that, which is the moral of most of the Bible stories.
0: But, <laughs> but I'm saying technically they believe Jesus had superpowers, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh and if you listen to it's a vibe. They uh G- God also grants certain humans like his grace kind of deal. So it allows them to live longer and uh gives them like special little abilities and stuff like that. So
0: I mean, that, magic That's what magic. I've mostly
1: learned from that, so.
0: Magic's magic, right? Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> So James also used other sources for his book. He used some old dissertations on magical studies. And this was to further his understanding of the relationship between men and demonic forces. So he was really also into demons and how demons would affect men. And you'll kind of see that in the third book that he writes of demonology.
0: He he had to be using the uh, King Solomon's... Book of demonology or whatever. Have, uh, have you heard I'm not
1: exactly it? sure. It didn't really mention what books. What... Can you go into that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So basically, King Solomon, He he's an ancient prophet. I think he's more prevalent in, like, the Quran. But essentially, he had some ring, allegedly, that he could control demons with. And he used them to build his temple or whatever he could also like control the wind and had like a thousand wives or something too but they have a book called like king solomon's seven seals or something like that or like king solomon's demonology book it's really old so i i wouldn't doubt if this guy was using something from that part of uh A religious text to get his demon ideas as well.
1: I have actually seen a documentary about that. It was about like weapons of magic and not really magic weapons given to humans by God. I think one of them was like the Ark of the Covenant. They were also talking about uh, the Spear of Destiny Mm, and uh, some kind of a horn. Also, I believe I'm not really sure. (laughs) It's it's been a while since I've seen it like a like a ram's um, horn that you blow out of some kind of, I think it was that weapon, but yeah, I have definitely seen that ring they were talking about.
0: I was going to say, definitely is not the Minnesota Vikings horn that they blow out of because that doesn't bring them any luck at all. (laughs) That just brings you defeat (laughs) (laughs) and
1: season and a quick end to a season.
0: But now they got Nate Staley from Iowa. So watch out Super Bowl, Here we come.
1: That's true. He's going to be bringing up that third fucking string quarterback position. So, (laughs) So some of the demons that he described in, this would be book three of demonology, are a spectra, and this is used to describe spirits that troubled houses or solitary places. Obsession spirits, used to describe spirits that follow upon certain peoples to outwardly trouble them at various times of the day. Referencing, and this is incubi and succubi.
0: Fuck yeah. Uh, The the key, uh... The Spectra actually uh, is a type of motor vehicle from Kia. Do you know that?
1: Yeah, I do. And it troubles <laughs> drivers who buy them. It
0: does because it's a piece <laughs> of shit.
1: <laughs> My joke is anytime somebody buys like a stupid car or like an expensive car, like something brand new that they shouldn't have bought. I always tell them like, you know what you should do? You should take that back and go get yourself a nice Kia Spectra. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These people who bought like $45,000 trucks or nice BMW always look all pissy. Mm. (laughs) It's pretty good. So possession demons used to describe spirits that enter inwardly into a person with the means to trouble them. So obviously we have possession, you know, demons now in popular movies and books.
0: I mean, a lot of them you're listing so far are kind of still common beliefs, not necessarily that they're demons but as far as like ghosts or spirits uh those are types of them
1: yeah well i mean the incubi and succubi are really popular with uh what is that the sleep disorder uh sleep paralysis oh
0: yeah oh yeah
1: there was a, a podcast i had listened to recently that uh went into incubi and it was a pretty good one it was uh on a creeper real episode mm, but yep. yeah they they were talking all about that so
0: pretty good uh, shout out those guys
1: but yeah the possession the obsession and the spectra i've never really heard of demons haunting houses as much as you just kind of hear ghost haunting houses but i wonder if it they could mean just regular ghosts oh well, specters
0: i assume at this time like in their minds everything that is supernatural is just a demon right that's what i'm assuming
1: either a demon itself or caused by a demon
0: mm I I mean, I would assume they would believe Chris Angel's a demon.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they'd probably think we were demons just for having phones and, you know, (laughs) driving around in cars and (laughs) shit.
0: Communicating over the internet. Yeah,
1: talking to people across the
0: fucking world (laughs) in
1: places they barely knew existed. So the last demon is categorized as fairies, and this is used to describe illusionary spirits that basically prophecy, transportation of their servants, and a consort comes in. So it's kind of something that's meant to like trick you or like kind of give you these like powers.
0: I mean, if we're talking about Scotland and Ireland and stuff, the fairies are very big there.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I think uh, in Iceland they consider fairies to be not only real, but like a part of everyday life. And they'll like really help people. Like they have people who are like fairy finders and that's their job. Mm. Kind of weird.
0: I did see that on Reddit somewhere that I I I think it was in Ireland though they they believe there's like a fairy mound so they built the highway around it so like the highway <laughs> is out of its way around this like giant what they think's a fairy mound because they don't want to piss them off.
1: Oh, I've seen that. So yeah, I I saw that on the internet. <laughs> they diverted the road to yeah. go around it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be great if you uh, if you had a house in the city wanted to cut through your like your farm or your house just to like make an interstate and then you went in to the court and argued that like no 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 there's a fairy mound here hmm. <laughs> and well, you have to go around this fucker.
0: Well, hold on. Since we're in the U.S., you'd have to be like, this is a uh, a bald eagle nest. Can't you can't tamper with this.
1: This is actually the hole in which Barry Satiro emerged from hell. There's no fucking way you can pave over this bitch. <laughs> no. So, I mean, really the book does do quite a, like a good job of telling you about demons, but most importantly, this book is like a Socratical interpretation. Like a basically Socrates would use an argument between two people to get his point across. And that's exactly what King James used in this book. He used arguments between people to tell his own people about the dangers of witchcraft and how it was actually a good thing to hunt down and execute witches.
0: Mm, Okay, I see.
1: Yeah, so the arguments from this book is really what affected future witch hunters and the people of Scotland and England and colonies across, you know, the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Future English colonies. Okay, all right. So in order to understand what led James's feelings that his fellow Christians needed such a dissertation and the three books that he had written, we need to go back to before James was born. Ideas of the Reformation had reached Scotland and began to force the decline of Catholicism and increase Protestant ideas and ideology in Scotland. Eventually, Scotland became officially Protestant under the direction of John Knox, the Protestant leader of Scotland at the time. He was originally a follower of Martin Luther, later changing gradually to the teachings of John Calvin, both of which thought that witchcraft was a severe crime, and that the practice of witchcraft merited the death
0: penalty. Okay, so does this mean that they, because they turned Protestant, they got more heretical? No, heretical? I don't know what word I'm looking for here. (laughs) But, you know what I'm saying, they got more extreme...
1: Yeah, they became more conservative, more extreme. So a lot of the teachings and the early thoughts like Martin Luther and like Calvinist belief, a lot of the Protestant ideas were to get rid of ideology, go back to basics, get rid of like – the Catholics at the time were using um basically where you would pay someone higher up in the church indulgence. They were called indulgences. They would pay to get themselves like – instead of having to go to purgatory – with all the peasants so that their soul could be cleansed. They would pay indulgences to get themselves on the fast track to heaven. So it was just like when you go to Disney World. Put yourself in the fast
0: track. You okay. go straight to heaven. Pay, pay a little extra you get the fast pass.
1: Yeah this was obviously bullshit. You know just to get these priests and cardinals, bishops, whatnot. Just to get them some money. Because they really liked money. That's mm-hmm. the the best thing about re- being a religion is all the money that comes with it.
0: Right, right. Okay, that yeah. makes sense then.
1: Yeah, but Martin Luther, John Calvin, all of these weirdos actually believed in religion and <laughs> they actually <laughs> believed the stuff that the that the church was teaching. So they were kind of unique in that fashion. So
0: Okay, alright.
1: So they were definitely leaning towards more of a conservative uh, way about doing things. Not as much as like the Catholics at the time were going more for kind of enriching themselves shying away from the evils that in the world devil demons all of that catholics weren't very concerned about that sort of stuff but the protestants were they were much more like a back to basics the reformation
0: mm, you know okay well, it, that's weird because i feel like the tables have turned now
1: um i don't really know much about protestants today i know that they're split up uh, like a lot more than they used to be like back Back in this time, being Protestant was seen as all like kind of the same thing. But now, if you're a Protestant, there's so many different factions and different churches that well, really none of them are, you know. I ju- some I ju- are some are conservative, some
0: are not. You know. I I just feel like you know, with the Catholics turning into uh, wizards who battle demons and exorcise them from people and all that, you know, all that theatrics.
1: Oh, are you talking about exorcisms and stuff like yeah, that?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Um don't Presbyterian not Presbyterians, is it uh what's the ones Baptist, that are big down I south?
0: Baptists. Baptist. Yeah. Don't
1: they also try to fight demons and try to like
0: Yeah, but they're they're like smack
1: f- somebody's head to get the demons out and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, but that's like that's like fire and brimstone ones or whatever.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that all Baptists are like that, but they're definitely yeah.
0: Oh an evangelists. That's right. Evangelists are big into that.
1: Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of the evangelists, not very not the, the Baptists as much.
0: Yeah, aka Chuck North.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking of evangelists instead of Baptists, but so along with Scotland becoming predominantly Protestant, a new Parliament of Scotland in 1560 enacted many new laws having to do with the church's newfound power, and these included the idea of Protestant confession, rescinding all laws and acts outlawing the Protestant faith and worship, which was pretty important to them, Mm. banning the practice of Catholic worship and faith, which was even more important to them, and the power of the Pope over the people, and how they felt that he no longer had that power.
0: Okay, so they're kind of like anti-Catholics right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So that was the brand new Protestant Parliament, but I should also mention that these laws were never fully enacted uh, by Mary, Queen of Scots. She had just returned from France one year prior. Uh, She was basically able to dodge Protestant Parliament pretty effectively for the next few years as she was Catholic, and these laws would definitely lead to her demise. So these, these laws were enacted, but they weren't fully enacted. The Catholics being banned and the Catholic worship and faith being banned. None of that's none of that stuff like really took effect okay. as much as they wanted it to.
0: Okay. All right. So it's more of a guideline kind of in their belief system. Not really a law, but it's what they believe should happen.
1: Yeah, it's what they wanted to happen. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, kind of like put it off and put it off until it was more a little bit more advantageous for her. I said she was able to slow these down during 1562 and 1563, a couple years after they were enacted. The new parliament met with the intent to enact the new laws, mostly the forcing of the queen to make a decision on her own religion, which was between Protestant and Catholic. Okay. However, yeah, and they really wanted her to accept the Protestant religion and leave behind her Catholic beliefs. She had actually been sent to live in france since she was a baby uh married a french prince the dauphin but he died he was a little bit uh like deformed he wasn't uh i'm not sure exactly if it was an issue with incest but he didn't live very long into his uh childhood so
0: well if you when you say deformed and a person of royalty i immediately assume incest
1: yeah, that's what I assume also, but I, I didn't want to make that, you know.
0: I, <laughs> oh, he, I don't, he might rise pretty, from the grave and
1: sue you? <laughs> no, I mean, people, whenever you say that, people just kind of assume that you meant incest. But I'm not exactly sure if the French really practiced that as much at the time, so I mm-hmm. can't really say that. But um, he did. he definitely wasn't long for the earth, and after he died, she moved back to Scotland to take up the throne. Uh, regents had been in charge while she was gone.
0: Okay, all
1: right. So while she was gone, as I mentioned, regents were put into charge. When she came back, the Protestants definitely wanted her to change her religion. However, she was able to divide the new Protestant parliament into two different factions, one of which was led by James Stuart, the first Earl of Moray. And this was Mary, Queen of Scots' half brother. And she made him the Lord of Articles, and he was able to steer Parliament away from laws that would injure Mary's position.
0: Okay, so this is a very intricate game of politics they're playing right now, basically.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, the Reformation and the divide between Protestants and Catholics was the biggest thing going on. Even in, it went all the way up into interstate politics among all of the European crowns so it was the most important thing was getting these laws struck down
0: okay for right. her.
1: so very few laws because of this were passed during 1563 one of which however uh, dealt with magic and witches so fear of witches and magic increased so much during this time that in 1563 during mary queen of Scots' reign a law was passed in scotland known as the scottish witchcraft act of 1653 making witchcraft a capital offense and this differed from the english witchcraft laws of the same year which made only magic used violently against another person a capital offense the magic that wasn't used violently was only punishable by a few years in prison and the english did not burn their uh, accused witches at the stake like the scots did
0: really huh I figured. Yeah. I figured around this time it would have kind of been like a free for all on killing, you know, people of witch who allegedly use witchcraft or whatever. But uh, so the Brits were a little nicer.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're uh, yeah, the English were a little bit more tolerant. It was especially like the Elizabethan laws. Uh, Elizabeth really tried to stray people away from killing witches. Uh, I think a lot of it kind of had to do with the fact that. Most of the people being killed for witchcraft were women. Mm, um,
0: yeah, that makes sense.
1: So it was kind of a deal where the Scots really wanted they would torture their torture the witches under the like inquisition methods, and they would strangle or hang them before they burned them. and in England, there was kind of like a real trial. like they were actually trying to get down to what had actually happened during this time of the recorded. Uh, people actually accused of murdering someone, only like a 20, like 20% was actually found to be accused of using witchcraft to kill that person. And not a lot of them were actually found guilty of the witchcraft.
0: I mean, when it comes to witch trials, it seems like there, there doesn't really have to be much evidence. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's just kind of like the word witchcraft gets thrown around and then it's just like you're instantly guilty.
1: Yeah, especially I think last week we were talking about, what was it, Uh just little things that people didn't understand could be blamed on witches. Um Like they didn't understand if a baby just dies suddenly or if someone dies of, you know, a young aged like heart attack or something like that. They would assume it was witchcraft because mm. they couldn't figure out what was actually going on.
0: I mean, in America, when people die of a heart attack at a young age, uh, technically there is a covenant, which is we like to call McDonald's.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about COVID. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. No, the true villain, McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Wendy's, all the fast food burgers. Yeah.
1: I've got, they actually opened up a Popeyes about three blocks away. So I'm, Ooh, <laughs> that is, I'm going to a- get, in, yeah. It's a big the only thing keeping me eating there every week was the fact that it was, like, four or five miles away.
0: <laughs> before. It's, I mean, it is good, and I'm not gonna lie.
1: Definitely. Oh, yeah. I just ate there the other day. It's great. I think they just opened up, like, three weeks ago, so it's really clean, too. Mm. So Mary's Catholic faith and the bitter power struggle after her husband's death would eventually lead to her abdication and exile to England. With James Stewart her former ally, taking over the regency of her new son, James the Sixth, who was the future king of Scotland and England, as I mentioned last week. Right. Mary became Elizabeth I prisoner for 20 years until her execution on February 7th, 1587, after many failed plots against Elizabeth. This had a really profound effect on James and his idea on... Basically, never really knowing his mother, uh, hearing stories about her plotting to take over first the Scotland throne, then the English throne, having her executed. This really troubled him during his youth.
0: Okay, so King James, the man who rewrote the Bible or whatever, is the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. Yes. Oh, I did not realize that.
1: Oh, did I not mention that before? I... Yeah, so James the sixth is actually Mary Queen of Scots' son, who would eventually ascend to the throne in sixteen o three of England, uh, uniting the two kingdoms.
0: Interesting. Okay, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't think you mentioned that. So okay, that, okay, yeah. that brings it full circle. So I can kind of see why now he's a little, little crazy. I guess.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You'll see other reasons like coming from his childhood. Of definitely why he might have been a little bit little bit nuts in his uh, adulthood. Like on 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 the Bumblebutt podcast, you guys kind of look into someone's past and how they you know what might have led to them becoming serial killers. This is kind of a a similar thing.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now this all makes sense then.
1: Yeah, that's why I was talking about Mary Queen of Scots. So gotcha. <laughs> it was. It was decided that James VI would be raised by the Earl and Countess of Mar at Stirling Castle and tutored by four men. Most importantly, the senior tutor being George Buchanan, who would subject the young king to regular beatings and raise the boy in the Protestant faith and teach him that the king does not have absolute power. He would attempt to instill him with the idea of a limited monarchy.
0: Huh, I didn't didn't think you'd be allowed to beat a king to be.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought that you were only... Like, I thought of there was the idea of, like, a whipping boy. The the young king or the young prince would do something wrong, and then they would bring in the peasant who would get the beating for the king.
0: Apparently not.
1: Yeah, apparently not in this situation, because he was getting beaten regularly by George Buchanan, so...
0: Mm, that asshole George Buch- Buchanan.
1: Yeah, so James would eventually stray from the teachings of James Buchanan, and have his writings banned from the realm.
0: Okay, makes sense.
1: yeah. But importantly, George Buchanan did instill in James a love of learning and literature, and that would last him in his entire life and lead him into a career in literature, along with being a king.
0: Okay, alright. So this is kind of how King James might have gotten his, I don't know, what would you call it, writer's thumb? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, his uh, his wanting to uh become a writer i mean if i was king if i had that much power that much money i wouldn't want to do anything else other than just what i had to and then just live it up you know like most people would be like that
0: you know what's funny actually i was listening to a podcast today and uh i don't know if it was really a thing i kind of was reading it like it was that uh basically stephen king was calling george rr R. martin a lazy man for not just continuously writing oh well <laughs> if you
1: can't compare anyone to stephen king's fucking worth ethic when it comes to writing he no. writes more shit before fucking breakfast than most people do in probably a week so i mean doesn't it, he doesn't he write like a, just a shit ton of stories and have them all fucking well, just ready to go
0: well I It was something like, George, why don't you just write, like, eight pages a day, and then eventually your book will get done, you know? Yeah. But, uh...
1: Eight, pa- eight pages a day, that's actually a lot of words. That's...
0: Yeah, but, you know, obviously, uh, HBO is a quicker writer than George R. 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 Martin is, so...
1: Oh, yeah, and especially it's easier to write screenplays than it is, like, chapters in a book.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Appar- uh, the meme going around from... George R. R. Martin was that he's writing now that he's forced to be quarantined. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> now that he can't go out to a restaurant and stuff his face, he's
0: <laughs> stuffing
1: his face and writing at home. <laughs> James led a very strange and volatile childhood, enduring, like I mentioned, the regular beatings from Buchanan. Also, he feared death and imprisonment from both Elizabeth I in England and from the nobility of Scotland. At the age of 14, James was imprisoned for a year by the Earls of Cowrie and Agnes, and this was because many prominent Calvinists thought that James's relationship with his father's first cousin, the Earl of Lennox, was extremely inappropriate. The Earl of Lennox was forced to leave Scotland after the imprisonment. Earl of Lennox had been one of James's favorite and he was named the only Duke of Scotland.
0: So what made it inappropriate?
1: Uh, so there were rumors going around that they may have had a lustful relationship.
0: Okay. So
1: he now, might have. Uh, they might have been more than just friends. I guess you would call it.
0: Okay. Now, uh, was it a a boy or was it a girl?
1: No, this was a dude. This was okay. uh, like a thirty. I think he was thirty nine years old.
0: Okay. Man. Well. And
1: he had actually come to the court from France and become. A lot more powerful than anyone thought he should be. So that was another reason why they got him out of there.
0: So King James might have been gay.
1: Yeah, well, it it kind of, there's like rumors around uh, like that. And also some other things too. Hmm. So James was always known to enjoy the company of other men. Uh, he did have a good relationship with his wife at first. I mentioned last week, Queen Anne, the princess Anne from, uh, well, the Danish princess who he went and picked up. And that's when they had the trouble with the storms.
0: Mm. Right, right, right.
1: But his relationship with Queen Anne actually petered out after their daughter, Sophia, died in infancy. And this led them to live separate lives until her death in 1619. So they had a really good relationship at first. But he was kind of, uh, everyone kind of thought he was a weird guy. Like he wasn't very masculine. Uh for a king he really didn't want to go to war a lot. Everyone kind of looked down on him for that. He wanted more of a peaceful time for his kingdom.
0: It sounds like a good king to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Nowadays we would think he was a good king because he wanted peace, but back then they really everyone had a want to go to war a lot, especially with in Scotland, they wanted to go to war with England. That was the big one.
0: Mm. Can you imagine like thousands of red haired people charging at you with knives and spears? <laughs> I'd be fucking shit in my pants.
1: Sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like that episode of South
0: Park. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So James would, uh, he would have many uh, men become like his new favorites over the years, and they would subsequently rise in power in the Scottish and English courts. This would make a lot of trouble for his Protestant influencers, who are looking for more power themselves.
0: I mean, so this... Yeah. What's that? I was just going to say, it's it's always a power thing, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah, I think that's what they were more pissed about, was the fact that these new people were coming in and gaining power. But besides that, James always had a disdain for women, and believed that the opposite sex was far more likely to be tempted by the devil. Pointing back to the story of Adam and Eve when Eve tempted Adam with the forbidden fruit, at the persistence of the serpent, and James would commission the new version of the Bible, and he made all references to witches and witchcraft be written in the female gender.
0: Oh, okay. So this is all making sense then. Yeah. So he might have, I don't know if it's a conspiracy, but he might have secretly been gay, and because he couldn't be gay, he hated women.
1: Yeah, that's kind of, Where I was going with that, I wouldn't have really mentioned it unless it had to do with the women thing. Uh, Kind of even today, we really think of witches only being women, like in popular culture and the movie Hocus Pocus, the great documentary. (laughs) Obviously, all of the witches in those movies are female. But back then, a lot of people who, well, not not a ton, but some of the people who were accused, tried and executed for witchcraft
0: were men. I mean, yeah, that I mean, it makes sense, right? It's it would have yeah. to be an I don't think witchcraft really discriminates.
1: No, definitely. I mean, really, if you think about it, in even in our popular culture, Harry Potter, they have uh male and female witches in that movie. So
0: Wow, this is uh this is kinda of blowing my mind right now. That he changed yeah. it just so it was against uh the females. And, man, man, this guy had a vendetta against vaginas, I'll tell you that much. Jesus.
1: Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure exactly if it was, like, a commonly thought belief that only witches were women before him. But he definitely did steer the ship towards uh, women being seen as witches. So this would lead many more investigations into the witchcraft to focus on female assailants. This was preferred over men and carry on into future witchcraft trials in England and other parts of the world, including the Americas. Okay. After the death of Elizabeth I in England, James ascended to the throne and became James I. After his ascendance, James's fervor in hunting down witches followed him into this new kingdom, increasing the amount of investigations into witches and witch hunts. The laws in England were also changed from the light punishments For non-violent witches, and only capital crime after violent witchcraft was used against a victim. Now, any first instance of using magic could be grounds for death. Even just carrying the mark of the devil, which was thought to be left after having a sexual liaison with Satan, could be the grounds for a hanging.
0: (laughs) Jesus, man, this guy amplified fucking everything. Holy shit.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... The tide was definitely turning against the Inquisition of witches and magic and, like, the torture. Everything was going, like, the numbers were going down. Once James came in and brought in demonology, everything jumped right back up. And this was immediate.
0: This guy's a dick.
1: One famous rash of witch hunting came from a man who would become infamous in English history. And this was the Witchfinder General Matthew Hopkins.
0: Okay, I was suspecting Barry Satiro, but okay, Matthew Hopkins, let's go.
1: Yeah, it, it could also be Barry Satiro just in disguise in his former days. but
0: He, he needed to sound a little more Scottish.
1: That's true. Actually, he was English, but
0: that's, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's fine. So Matthew Hopkins, the son of a Puritan minister in the county of Suffolk in East Anglia, became involved in witch trials in 1644- and 1645 at the age of 24 years old so not much is known about his past but a great deal is known about the three years that he was actively hunting down conjurers of magic in the area of east anglia and if you don't know where east anglia is it's uh kind of in northeast england uh it's about two hours drive north of london and norwich is the principal like city in the area
0: Okay. So it's now would be kind of a a rural rural area, right?
1: Yeah, it is kind of a ru- like a rural area. Um there's a lot of farms out there. Uh not a lot not a ton of industry. Um there's a few decent sized cities. I mentioned Norwich, uh Bury St Edmunds, uh, in that area.
0: Okay. All right.
1: So as I mentioned, he was the son of a Puritan minister. Really I should say Puritanism was really taking hold in that area of the country at the time puritans had like a real hatred for the devil and a belief in superstition magic all of that crap demons just everything so i mean that really like his family was deep into puritanism so i should mention that that's kind of where his upbringing brought him to
0: i mean yeah that would kind of warp his his mind to believe evil was all around him right
1: Yeah. I mean, we kind of, we mentioned these people and saying that they had like an odd childhood. I imagine that a lot of people had fucked up childhoods back then.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) I should also mention that everyone was fucked up. Let's just say that (laughs) compared to how we are now. And we're all fucked up. So it's (laughs) everyone's fucked up. True. So Hopkins got his start when he met a man named John Stern from Lowe's in the county of Suffolk. And together they decided to take over the investigation of an old woman who was being watched for evidence of being a witch. The two men convinced the watchers of the woman named Elizabeth Clark to allow them to take her to Thorn Inn so that they could resume the investigation.
0: Okay, I'm guessing they're investigating her because she has too big a tomatoes or something.
1: Oh yeah, or... Possibly there's just a large mole on her nose or people just don't like her. (laughs) That's a lot. A lot of the people you'll find like that were being investigated back then were just unliked by the townspeople and wanted them to get rid of her. Right. Yeah. So when they brought her back to the Thorn Inn, they quickly came up with evidence of witchcraft and that she had called her familiars, which were imps in animal form. And this included a bunny rabbit named Sugar claiming that she had summoned her to the inn.
0: Okay. To be fair, animals that have too cutie names don't trust them myself.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially uh, when they have ironic names.
0: Yeah, I, I they make me nervous.
1: I always thought Stinkfoot might have been uh, summoned from the devil. So <laughs> he
0: <laughs> probably fucking, was.
1: When that fucking cat shit on my bed that one time, I was fucking... I was ready to kill it.
0: <laughs> but...
1: <laughs> So after a great deal of torture, including being shaved to look for a witch's mark, she would eventually confess, and most importantly, named other witches in her confession. So armed with these new names, Stern and Hopkins came to the Earl of Hardwick, and he was impressed by the young men's initiative. Hardwick gave Stern an official document that allowed him to look for witches in the area and it made Hopkins his assistant.
0: Okay, so you got like a, a pseudo badge, I guess.
1: Yeah, they were kind of like deputized by the he was Earl of Hardwick at the time was presiding over uh Clark's trial.
0: Okay, all right.
1: The pair went out and sought the people that Clark had previously named in her confession and they also gave names to their torturers eventually confessing themselves. And this led to 23 people being tried yeah. for witchcraft.
0: Yeah, this is uh, this is how these things always fucking go.
1: Yeah, and this was just a drop in the bucket to how many people would eventually be tried and executed for witchcraft. 18 of these presumed witches were found guilty and hanged. Four of them had actually died in prison. One of the women was spared only because she had confessed during the trial and given up her own mother.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, this was a huge, you got to think in this small little town, this is probably the biggest event that had ever happened.
0: So they probably just wiped out a town.
1: No, I mean, this was only like some of the women of this town, but these towns weren't just a few hundred people. They were, you know, probably 500 to a thousand people. But I mean, a lot of these women were undesirables people who other like, like the, like the original woman Clark, she was very much seen as an undesirable in the town. And she named people who were, you know, people that she knew who were probably also like pretty undesirable.
0: Okay. I gotcha.
1: Yeah. So Matthew Hopkins and Stern mainly focused on the counties of Suffolk, Essex, Norfolk, Cambridgeshire and Huntingdonshire. Uh this is kind of their stomping ground and this is all in the East Anglia area around uh, Bury St Edmunds and uh Norwich.
0: Okay. All right, a lot of shires in there, Phil.
1: Oh yeah, definitely Making a lot of nervous. shires.
0: Making me nervous. Yep.
1: The pair would travel from town to town searching for witches and uses of magic often being told of older women or other undesirable people that the townspeople wanted to get rid of. After they would investigate, torture, and then eventually try these undesirables, they would charge the town peoples a large fee for the time. Uh, This was usually around £20, and they would also include travel expenses. So what I found out was that at this time... Like, 20 to 25 pounds was probably around 3 to 4,000 pounds today.
0: Jesus. Okay, so this is just fucking extortion.
1: Yeah, this was back when, like, the pound. This is back when everyone was kind of just using, like, pence and shillings. So, people, I mean, if you had a pound in your pocket back then, that was like having a $100 bill in your pocket now. Like, holy shit, big spender, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't know why it always sticks in my mind, but, like, uh, let's say from the Jack the Ripper era, right, 1888, yeah. right. I think like one or two pens, you could get a blowy or like have sex with a uh, a sex worker, like. So you can about imagine how much a pens or shilling was during this time period.
1: Yeah, you got to think. I mean, really, if you if you take that like the Jack the Ripper time frame back, I wonder how much a horror would charge. She might have to give you like. Like, you'd almost have to cut the one pent in half and give her half of it. Be like, I'll give you the next half tomorrow when I get, you know, get the job done again.
0: I feel like these two witch hunters were probably blowing each other while they were traveling from town to town.
1: Well, you got to think, too, these guys were celebrities when they got to these villages. They, like, news of these two traveled far and wide. And when these guys came to your town, it was a big deal.
0: Uh, I can only imagine it was, well, they were probably famous, but they were also probably, like, feared when they came to your town.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, anyone could accuse you of being a witch, and you'll see from his methods uh, what I'm going to get into in a minute. He could make anyone be, uh, like, found guilty of witchcraft. It was amazing the methods that he used.
0: Yeah, he had too much power.
1: Definitely, and it was all given to himself, basically. He's the one who called himself the Witchfinder General.
0: Mm, What a douche.
1: In order to enrich himself, pretty much, and his partner Stern. So England had banned the use of torture of an accused witch at the time. And Hopkins' methods for investigating a witch usually relied heavily on sleep deprivation, which we learned from the last episode was highly unreliable.
0: Oh yeah, that'll make you fucking insane.
1: So he would also use a needle to poke at a uh, witch's mark, claiming that if the mark did not bleed, that that person was a witch. However, the needle was connected to a spring and would retract on contact with
0: human skin. What up Okay, alright.
1: Yeah, once again, I'm gonna say, I believe that his uh, whole idea about this really was just about
0: the money. So. That or he just straight up enjoyed killing people.
1: Oh, yeah. He would also slice a person with a blade with the same proclamation that if the person did not bleed in any way, then they were a witch. However, once again, he would use a dulled down knife to slice the person's arm, which wouldn't cause them to bleed.
0: (laughs) I mean, if I was that person, I guess I would just take out a regular knife and cut myself at that point, right?
1: Oh, I'm guessing they had been thoroughly Gotten the shit ah, kicked out of them yeah. and tied down at the time. So good,
0: good call, good. And call. this
1: was this was probably after they had been shaved and you know kept awake for a few days. Right.
0: So. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Because these investigations or t- interrogations were never quick. I mean, some of these took place over days.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right.
1: Yeah. Hopkins also used a technique known as swimming in which he would tie the accused to a wooden chair and throw them into a river or lake. And since the witch had abandoned their baptism, water would reject them, and it was thought that the witch would float and not sink to the bottom. And this practice was meant to be outlawed during the time of his investigations, and Hopkins would need to gain the accused permission before performing these tests. But he just kept on going along with it anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, what are they gonna, once the accused is dead, what are they gonna do? Tell him that he didn't obey the law?
1: Oh yeah, especially once you get the confession out of them, I mean, it's all taken care of. Oh no, we got the, we got the confession, so it's fine, it's a witch, we can do whatever the fuck we want, so.
0: Man, this guy's a psycho.
1: He would also add to sleep deprivation by forcing one of his victims to run up and down a large hallway, for hours even days not allowing him to sleep however he still did not confess and only confessed after being forced to swim repeatedly which means that the man didn't drown so they kept pulling him out of the water and throwing him back in just to make sure
0: oh this was a man that like are you saying a woman or the whoever they accused
1: in this instance it was a man he was actually a priest and he was speaking out against the killings. The only problem was he was very unpopular in the town that he was the priest of. And his townspeople basically turned him into the witch hunters.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Jesus. Yep.
1: Yeah, so he was basically uh where his pulpit was. He was basically, you know, turned over by his own flock. And he would eventually be executed for that hung.
0: Well, I guess that uh, solves that ancient uh, myth that uh, priests can't swim.
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it mostly, I don't know exactly, like, the physics of it, but I think that if you were tied to a chair and thrown into water, like, would the wood help you float?
0: Uh, I don't think it'd matter, because the human body naturally floats, and wood is, I mean, when wood's in water, I'd assume it becomes basically... Weightless, right? More buoyant. Yeah, or more buoyant. Yeah, I guess that's right, because when a tree falls in a river, it will float. Yeah.
1: So I think that being tied to the chair, that would really help you float, I'm guessing.
0: I can't imagine the chairs were high quality back then. Like, I mean, they're probably a step up from Ikea furniture, but they're probably still not that great.
1: Right in between Ikea and Walmart, just sandwiched (laughs) in there. (laughs) Not as good as the shit that you get at... Oh, what's that fucking... uh, What's that fucking place in Texas? They're really good food. Uh,
0: I have no idea.
1: Oh, fuck. They, They sell their shitty furniture outside on the fucking... Outside of it, but... So when it came to the end of the Inquisition, it wasn't the torture or the hangings or anything like that that led to the end. However, it was the cost of the pair that led to the end to the witch hunts. So basically... These two men had caused so much economic disparity in these towns that these towns had to come up with new taxes to pay for the witch trials and the executions. so you're talking about I told you it was like twenty to thirty pounds uh for each of the people or the times when they would come in and investigate yeah, this was actually the like the g d p for a lot of these towns for the entire
0: year, Jesus, okay. So he basically bankrupted all these towns.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of the people in these towns were only making a few pence a year.
0: Jesus, okay. Yeah,
1: so the thought of paying these witch finders like 20 pounds just to get rid of this person legally wasn't exactly like worth it anymore. That's pretty much the reason why this only lasted for three years. Also, another reason was Stern and Hopkins were starting to be questioned whether they were, in fact, the witches causing all of this trouble in the in the area of East Anglia.
0: Okay, witches taking out other witches so they could be more powerful or something. All right. All right. Yeah,
1: or just generally stirring up shit, which is yeah. what demons were thought to do at the time.
0: Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's going to turn on you eventually when everybody's this fucking superstitious and shit. Yeah, just look at Barry
1: Satiro, you know. <laughs> Paul Hogan all of them end up (laughs) ruining out of favor so Hopkins would eventually die in 1647 and this was due to what was thought to be tuberculosis uh so he did not get the shit kicked out of him and killed by one of his victims family members which I thought might happen to him but Mm. turns out he died of sickness in
0: 1647 he died of the uh real witchcraft of tuberculosis
1: yeah good old TB took him down Using the money that he had made during his uh, epic witch hunt, Hopkins, the year that he died, actually was able to write a book. And this book was called The Discovery of Witches. And this happened, of course, in 1647. So this book would reach New England in the years that followed. And it would make like a series of panics happen. And it would lead eventually to the 1692 Salem Witch Trials.
0: Wow, okay, so this asshole is responsible for all the murders of witches in the United States, or at least the New England uh, murders.
1: Yeah, so you gotta think, really in the time between he died and the Puritans all going to America, Puritan like faith, religion, died down in England, but it sparked up and was really huge in the Americas, in the colonies,
0: Wow, that's crazy. I yeah. I am pretty sure they use the uh the other book the Mala whatever <laughs> we talked about it the Maleficarum, Malfcarus or whatever. Pretty yeah. sure they use that book as well, but uh, I could see them definitely using both of them. And uh yeah, that that's I mean, obviously we we're very familiar with the Salem witch trials and all of that shit, so shit's crazy, yeah. man.
1: Yeah, the discovery of witches was actually used, like, if you were studying law in the New World, they would actually kind of add that to your, like, regiment of books, and that kind of became part of your teaching, so it's kind of weird.
0: I mean, I guess, speaking for us in Catholic school, I would have rather read that than our shitty little uh, religious book we had to read every day.
1: Oh, yeah, that fucker, (laughs) I remember that shit. Or those guidance classes where they taught us how to be decent human beings.
0: Oh, God, that it was funny. Like, I think religion class was like literally the first class of the day.
1: Oh, yeah. Every day for an hour.
0: And it was Fucking. just like, a sh- it looked like a step up from a shitty children's book.
1: Yeah. Science only happened a couple of days a week and it only was for like just one hour. But yeah, religion was every day, including church on Thursday. So I, sh- <laughs> I should mention also, after his death, uh, a lot of the women who were accused of witchcraft were ended up like getting just acquitted. And the last time that a person was uh, accused and tro- found guilty of witchcraft in England happened in 1684 with Alicia Molland. And it never again happened that a person would be executed for witchcraft in England. Though, there would be more that would be accused and tried.
0: Okay, just accused, just not executed.
1: Yeah, just not. They uh, they weren't able to actually find them guilty of witchcraft.
0: Okay, interesting. Well, you know, it's crazy because I think most of us here in America are very familiar with the Salem Witch trials. And when you piece these two episodes, you know, together, essentially what you've learned is the roots of... The root cause of why we had Salem witch trials in America and essentially the crazy shit that happened in, you know, Scotland and England, all because people viewed others as undesirables and just called them a witch and would end up getting them killed, which is crazy. And if you think back before that, it essentially started from a king who was probably gay And just wanted to be gay but couldn't be gay because that was probably witchcraft too. And instead he decided to write a rewrite the Bible and accuse women (laughs) of being witches. It's fucking insane. So I guess we should be very grateful we live in a time where we don't have this crazy fucking thought. And people who want to be gay are allowed to be gay and just you can do whatever you want. It's great, you know. Yeah,
1: this uh, these stories definitely teach us about the evils of religion and why they should be just left in the past. I think that's what teaches us most about all of these, uh, hearing from the Witchfinder General and King yeah. James and all these stories.
0: Oh, God. King James. I mean, if he lived in today's time period, he would have been just a happy, prosperous young man. He probably wouldn't have fucking rewritten the bible and accuse women of being witches and everything you know it's uh it's crazy that that is honestly a crazy story i didn't honestly i didn't know any of that so great job phil uh that was very informative now if someone wants to leave us a comment and say how blown away they are by uh, king james's history where can they do that
1: they can hit us up on subliminal d podcast at gmail.com it's a great way to get a hold of us. Really like hearing from people. Uh, a lot of people give us ideas for future episodes, which is awesome. Uh the best way, actually, is probably on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on Instagram. Last week's episode, or two weeks' episode, I should say, of the dear David, we got a lot of good feedback from from that episode. So really thank you guys for all of that. We also have our own Instagram accounts, mine's SD Pod Phil. I use it a little bit more now uh than i used to now that i'm shut in cody you've got a couple
0: yeah uh follow me on instagram at cody's hit me up with any sort of uh conspiracy stuff or if you want to just talk about shit in general i'm always down for that or weird stories uh, tell me weird stories i love those too anyway uh the last thing we need you to do is to log on to itunes leave the show five star review doesn't really matter what you say just write whatever the fuck you want on there if you can if you're a spotify user just hit the follow button and uh you'll get updated whenever we drop a new episode otherwise uh thank you very much phil it's been like i said a very very informative episode very humans have a creepy history we'll say that uh otherwise we will see you guys next week with another fascinating tale
1: Alright, thanks guys.